Thank you, Faithful Eddie. As we um, look at God's word, we're, we're still in Matthew, and again, we're doing a series on this. And so that's why I have the kingdom of God for us to stay focused. There's a word that does not go along with the theological realm and everything else, but I think we pretty much understand the phrase, there's a new sheriff in town. When, when Jesus showed up, he's saying what you understood in the Old Testament. He says, I'm the new sheriff in town. Therefore, I'm going to carry it out a different way. And we, and the purpose of this is, uh, let me just pause here to say this. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself and be repetitious. And that is, there's a vast difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. And have you ever thought about this? Why wasn't the law given to Abraham? Why wasn't the law given to Jacob? Why did the Lord wait until after the children of Israel were delivered? Why wasn't it given to them while they were in slavery for 400 years? God's timing was perfect. That he, he, knew, he knew that first they had to get to know him. And then once they get to know him, then he'll get to know what he expects of them. And so the Lord waited a good time for that. And you find now the law is described as the school teacher or the teacher. It's teaching you how to do this and this. We'll get back to that a little bit later. Now we're shifting gears. We're under a new dispensation. And notice this now. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of the law, he stands now and gives the Beatitudes and in chapter 5 and then chapter 6, he says, here's how things going to go from this point unto glory. Got the idea? He says, so in other words, the law, this is how you walk and this is how you prepare and everything else. He said, but now I'm laying before you, since I'm the new sheriff in town, see, here's how I'm going to lay it out for you. And so we enter into that and hoping that we can get on some of these things as Jesus Christ, as we do a brief uh, review and move on. And again, uh, my, it's not my quest to finish all of it because it's 48 verses. No, we're just in the, in the early parts of it. But at least to have you understand we're living a new normal with a wonderful God. They had Moses. We got Jesus. <laughs> and so let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for your word and what it has to say to us. So as we approach your word and as we see what your word has to say to us, Lord, help us to understand. And Lord, help us to ask the question, am I there yet? No. And if I'm there, I must keep going. Help us, Lord, to understand that there's a, there's a new order 
and where there's a new order, there's, there's a new standard and, and expectations. And, and so, Lord, help us to understand that it's, just, it's more than just Jesus Christ, book of Matthew, a New Testament. Jesus Christ says, no, 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 it's more than that. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to apply it and help us to see what victory is all about as we walk behind you and do the things that you tell us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. Living in our new normal, part three, Matthew 5, 13, 48. As we look at this, Matthew, remember, I'm going all the way to the end of the chapter now, and we're going to be working toward the end of the chapter, but I'm putting the end of the, end of the chapter up front because this is our goal. And it says, therefore, you shall be perfect or holy, just as your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect or holy. Just a word. The Lord tell us, does not tell us to be something that we're not capable of being. Everybody with me? If you go into a room, and if you, especially if you're dealing with, with children, whatever, you say, be quiet, which means you expect them to what? Be quiet. You never expect people to do something that they cannot do. And so here we, we find that this whole idea, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. But now let's get to it and see how we move through that. In our review, defining the term, living out the new normal is embracing and adjusting to a new way of thinking, speaking, and living closely directed by the word of God and guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about living the new, no, the new normal, then that means that that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Your first opposition in your trying to follow Jesus is not on the outside, it's on what's on the inside. You may even feel today as there's a, a, if there's something that's been said and the flesh will say, I don't like that, uh, I resist that. Your biggest battle is not on the outside, it's on the inside. Every transition uh, or change has a new set of rules that demands strict obedience. First we have the law. Thou shall not, see that's what the law carried. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, whatever. There was, there was, when you talk about the, uh, the law, the Ten Commandments, and the 365 ordinances dealing with everything in life, they had a lot of things to carry out and keep. Obedience to God. Obligation to others. But here we come to Grace. And grace says, blessed are. See the difference? The new sheriff in town is not saying, thou shall not and thou shall not. He says, you're blessed. Blessed are you. I want to say that blessed are you when this happened. Blessed are you. And he laid, and we talked about all the things about the blessed are's. Our profile is citizens, verses 5 through 6. Blessed are the pure in heart and, and um, uh, blessed are the, uh, the um, uh, let's see, poor in spirit. It goes on and on. Um, and so the whole idea says, blessed are, blessed are. And Jesus Christ says, I'm, I'm putting up the standards, and I want you to understand you are blessed when you do these things. Our personal activities, verse 7 through 9, um, 
And so what happens here when uh, our seven to nine, our personal activities, we, we're talking about blessed are the merciful and blessed are, he says, you are blessed when you, you do those things. Then we look at the problematic challenges, verses 10 through 11. Blessed are you when they persecute you and say all manner of things toward you. He says, don't change who you are because people are messing with you. That's what happens when, you, when, you, when you're walking with the Lord, then people are not going to like the fact that you identify. Okay? And if you show anything, that's, you can say anything but Jesus in our society now. You can pray any prayer except in Jesus' name. Our promises and rewards, this is all review. It says, well, listen now, so persecute you the prophets. But before it said, it said this, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You see, it says, when this happens to you, they're going to think you're crazy. When you start saying, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for letting me go through this. I praise you. You know, supposed to say, you must be this guy. Don't you understand what I was saying to you? I called you a fool. Praise the Lord that you recognize me that I'm a fool in Jesus. You know? okay. I mean, see, we heard us say about sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, they, words do hurt, see. But the Lord is saying, don't let people define you. They're just describing how you walk. If, die, if they are uh, upset because you're praising Jesus, if they are upset because you're talking about Jesus and you're talking about eternal life, understand this not you that they're talking about. They don't like God. I had a friend who um, drove the CTA bus. He said there were individuals that get on, got on the bus and were saying all manner of things toward me. And I said I had to realize they didn't know me, that their frustration was with the system. And the inconvenience. So why should I be bent out of shape? So I had, so I knew how to keep my cool while those folks acting crazy. And that's what the Lord said to you: "Blessed are you, rejoice." Now, once once he finished all of these, things, he says, "Okay, guys, you got all of this. I'm the new sheriff in town. Blessed are ye." I didn't say, "Thou shalt not." Blessed are you. Wait a minute, my list didn't fill. Through. Hey, there was 10 commandments and then there was also 665 ordinances. So I'm going to show you how you walk through this. And that's why we go a little bit further then because our position with uh, other faithful believers, then we go through thinking it through. As we study, uh, the study, as we study, uh, boy, this chapter, there are some uh, sound principles that must not be overlooked. We have a calling and command on our life to be which will enable us to accomplish all the things that is pleasing and honoring to our God and Father. God's calling to us is to be. Notice, it didn't say try to be. He says be. And it's God who's at work in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so the Lord says, I just want you to be. Be obedient to my word. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be faithful. He wants us to be. Okay. It is inevitable that our true identity will be recognized by the pattern of our thinking and actions. You do not have to carry around a large Bible. 
You don't have to have all type of phrases and, uh, and things around your neck. Just how you live. People will notice something about you. They'll say there's something different about your mannerism. Uh, and the question is, <laughs> is that they're talking about me yet? <laughs> you know, am I the individual? Let's start off with the first one. There's two we'll not recognize today. Know and live out who you are. So the Lord says, okay, now that we, well, I told you everything you, you should be, now let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's begin to work out some things here. And he began to work through this now. He says, salt and light, the purpose. He says, you are, not could be, should be, ought to be, Notice that present perfect tense here. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt have lost its taste, how shall this saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men, of, under people's feet. Let's read this together. What is it? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a fan, and it gives light to all the house. Note the intentions for the purpose of revelation and impact. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. Now notice the personal. Let your light so shine. This little light of man, I'm going to let it shine. So they may see your what? Good works and do what? He said, The first thing I want you to understand is that let your light so shine. Not to get attention for yourself, but they may see your good works. These verses clarify the, the uh, intent and process by answering these questions. The who. Why are the salt and the light? We are the salt and light of the world under the new order. We are God's change agents. Salt preserves and, and flavors. Light reveals and exposes. He says, you are salt. Where it's, where it's a difficult situation, you're the person that, that brings stability. There, there's a piece about you that let the crowd know, I'm not, I'm not, I do not go along with popular ideas and everything else. I trust Jesus. When we are that salt, we are the light. We are the light when it comes down to revealing God's clear intent concerning everything. Never compromise the word of God. I was listening to a message this morning that really blessed my heart. It was dealing with abortion. And, and for a person to deliberately abort a child, and he was given statistics, he said that one out of 100, 1% have abortions because they were raped. Then he talked about 5% uh, is because of, of various type of illnesses and everything else. You see, uh, no, uh, six percent was cause of illness and everything else. Then it says um, about the whole idea of um, 
93%. So it had to be, anyway, get the, the whole thing, I'll look at the 93. 93% is because people do not want their child. People reject and they throw away a child. Light comes in and say to the believers, light comes in and says this, don't you understand about abortion? That God formulates a child in the womb? Oh, wait a minute, don't you understand something? If you believe in abortion, you don't believe in Christ. Because you see, Christ was in the womb. And God formulated Christ in the womb before he became physical, obvious man. And when you, and when you object against, when you, when you go to, for abortion, you're saying that Jesus Christ, you're also rejecting Jesus Christ, you're rejecting God, you're rejecting the whole scene. So you don't understand. Here's what we do understand. You're killing what you didn't, you're not able to create. We'll talk about this a little bit later on that. But we are salt and we are light. Amen? We are what? So the Lord said, he didn't say try to be. Did you see that? He says, that's who, who, that's who you are. You're salt and you're light. And when you keep your mouth shut, when you see all of this stuff going around, guess what? It breaks God's heart. It's, it's almost like a storm. It's real dark, and you have your flashlight that you're depending on, and you click it, and it doesn't come on. That is the most critical time is when we take, start taking God's light and just letting it shine. The power is there. The resource is there. Just click it. Amen? Okay. Then we, uh, we, we move on. A little friend want to act up on me, so Roland uh, just kind of clicked that for me. Okay. The what? We are equipped to be productive and held accountable for our, ch our choices. We are, we are very, so then the how. We have the responsibility of being that salt and also let our light shine. The why? We are empowered to impact the world and glorify, and glorify God. We must ask ourselves these two questions. You know what the two questions as we come up there? The first question is this. Am I there yet? If not, why not? The next thing that comes up is, if the answer is yes, then I have the responsibility to stay focused and keep going. I have the responsibility. If I'm salt, if I'm light, if I'm not there yet, my question is, why? Why am I not that salt that God have, have made me to be? Why am I not that light that God has made me to be? Why is it that I'm not shining or not preserving? Why is it that the world loves me and have no idea about God? Let no one uh, redefine who you are and prevent your divine purpose and responsibility. The world should not redefine who we are. If you know who you are, <laughs> you see, uh, in the Emory Church of God, they had something about, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And what we need to say every morning Thank you, Lord, that I am your child. 
I don't know what the challenges of this life are going to bring. I don't, I don't know what people will say. But you have taught me to say, it's well with my soul. I'm a child of God. Oh, I, I understand that human nature, our innate nature is, remember these words, acknowledgement, affection, approval, and attention. What is it? Acknowledgement, affection, approval, and attention. They, that's, that's what we, that's, you need that. But because you're not getting it, it does not change who you are. The Lord says, hold your crown. Stay there. That's the rule from the new sheriff in town. Two. We must know Christ's agenda and understand his ultimate purpose. He says, since you know all of this, that you're blessed and you are light and salt, then this is what you need to know. You must understand my agenda. And that's why you find from chapter 5 flowing even to chapter 6, you're going to stay, God now, you'll find Jesus Christ saying some very um, profound things. Uh, it goes, goes like this. Christ came to fulfill the law, the process. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And in the course of some of the things that we're going through, guess what? Some of those things were in the law. Thou shalt not kill. Okay? And so notice what Jesus Christ does then, he's, what, he, what he starts off with. For truly I say to you, what did he just, well, see the underline, let's read that again. What did it say? For truly I say to you. Now watch this over and over and over. He's going to say, but listen to the new sheriff in town. When he says truly mean, you better pay attention to this. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not uh, uh, an iota, not a jot, we say a jot nor tittle, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whosoever relax on at least the least of these commands and teach others to do the same will not be called, will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does these things and, and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We run across two words. You run across the word kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. One talks about a place. One talks about a rule. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the Pharisees set up their own rules. They took the law and twisted it so. For their own good, for their, their comfort. And so when they twisted the law, these Pharisees who were, who were supposed to uh, uphold the law and to explain the law with the, the scribes and the Pharisees, what happened is that these folks twisted it. It says, if, it, if you don't, and then they were not doing it themselves. They were putting it out, but not living it out. And it says, if your life does not exceed these Pharisees says, you will never enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. Consider the, temp the temporal versus the eternal. 
The Pharisees, a man-made office, which its own, uh, with its own established uh, agenda or requirements. Then we have the kingdom of heaven, a spiritual eternal domain that is under the sovereign rule of God. So when Jesus Christ says, I'm the new sheriff in town, I'm not talking about the temporal. The law only covers your sins. I'm talking about the eternal, where I wipe away all your sins forever. It says, and under my kingdom and under my rule, here's why I expect of you, don't you turn back from it or you'll reap the consequences. First thing he deals with, here's, he says, here's some of the, the kingdom things then. We start dealing with words. What's that first word? Anger. It, it says this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Read those a few words. What did it say? But I say to you. Say it again. One more again. That everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you are fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. That's what I say. So if you are offering uh, your gift at the altar and, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accusers while you are, are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge uh, to, the, uh, to the guard and you be put in prison. And then he says, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's, let's kind of get these thoughts together. Let's get back to this adultery first, but we'll get to here. When we talked about this whole idea of anger, when he says don't murder, murder is the physical aspect. That's, that's, the, that's what, but here's something that happened a long time ago in your heart. You were angry first. You just don't go out and murder someone. You were angry first. And I think it's so important for us to keep that in mind. When we think about the Lord and what he expects of us, he says, be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. There is a natural reaction when it comes down to anger. But it says, don't hold it in. Let it go. If you don't let the anger go, then guess what? You don't possess it. It possess you. And you will be driven. And anger is like steps. Anger, resentment, hostility, wrath. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. That means you've already gone down the steps. It says That's why the Lord says, be angry, but don't sin. Do what I tell you to do. Wrap it up. Get forgiveness. Don't go the next night or the next day with the anger of yesterday. For if your anger of yesterday comes to today, you have already messed up your tomorrow. Everybody with me so far? It's a new sheriff in town. And he's saying, listen, 
when we talk about murder, that, that's the smoke. The real fire is there's anger. And so I asked the question, am I there yet? Am I still dealing with anger? Am I still, as a child of God who's supposed to be rejoicing and being exceedingly glad and, and trusting the Lord, am I still grappling with anger? And guess what? We need to answer the question. And please forgive me for being redundant here. At one, at one point, my whole, when I was in service, I mean, you're talking about, I was an angry person. I don't know whether because I had to grow up not having a father. I was just an angry person. I didn't show it. I mean, I laughed at him. But, I mean, I was quick to get angry. And I had, boy, they had already marched us in the heat for five, five miles. We're laying on the hot ground toward the, the firing range. And the sergeant was kicking the guy's leg, get it over here, and get it over there, and get the, and I was laying there, and he kicked me. I tell you what went to my mind right then. Immediately, my body, was, my, my, body, my, body my mind said, turn around and shoot him. Shoot him with that rifle, and it'll be over. I mean, that's, I mean that was, I mean, I was having the anger that I had, and understand something, I was reading Proverbs Every day, I still read it every day. Every day, I read Proverbs. But now here's where the rubber hits the road. Well, let me say this. I didn't kill them. <laughs> My record is still clear on that. You can check, you check that out. Because you can check that out because God checked me out right there on the field. And I did this. Nothing. It takes strength in a storm to know who you are and do nothing and leave the results to God. Thou shalt not murder. The Lord says, how did you get there? How did you step over casting all your cares upon me? How did you step over all of these verses? You have to step over the word of God to get to the point of hurting somebody else. Everybody with me? Well, I say, well, I don't, I don't like guns anyways. I wouldn't murder anybody. Oh, wait, 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 let's back up. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. There are some times you can kill a person, not by a physical uh, instrument. Now, I understand the dynamics of the scripture, the context of the scripture. But you can kill a person's spirit by just your words. Oh, you don't believe it. Why do you think bullying has so much uh, weight on individuals? That people even take their lives, their negative words, challenging their hearts. And the Lord says, but I tell you, I'm telling you this. He deals with the next thing, adultery. Uh, he deals with the hard issues here. And he says, Adultery is a deliberate act of offense against God's own holy command in order, uh, in order to uh, temporarily satisfy the flesh. Adultery. Again, I said I wouldn't hold you longer, but let me just do this. When we talk about adultery, let's go to the root of what all that is about. 
when it comes down to murder, it kills a life that will usher into eternity. You see what's going on? When you talk about adultery, it shuts down a system of reproduction for generations just for immediate satisfaction. You're not going according to God's plan. And when you operate outside of God's plan, then you're shutting down the end results of it. We live in a society now that living situations and adultery and everything else, that's an everyday thing. But here, here's these words. But I tell you, I'm telling you that it goes against the very throne of God. I tell you that this thing should not happen. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that every, every one, uh, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with, his, with her in his heart. The Lord said, I'm gonna take a little further. We're, gonna, we're not gonna get to the physical. The physical is our work, working of the, uh, the, spirit, the spiritual, okay? So what happened is this, when you, um, uh, mental rather, when you start doing something, when you start working out something, you've already thought it through. The Lord said, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. He says, even when you look, now it does not mean even when you see. There's a difference between seeing and looking, okay? There's another thing in glancing and staring. And then it goes a little bit further, it says, uh, at a woman, get this now, it's how you look with lust in your heart. So you're saying, what's in it for me? When you start daydreaming on somebody else's life, it says, you have stepped out of line, way out of line. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Well, it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your, your members than your whole body to go to hell. Lust is a self-serving uh, drive within the intentions of satisfying a personal level of gratification, regardless of its effect on the life and circumstances of others. Now, please understand, Jesus is not saying, if this thing is bothering you, cut it off. I remember a young man that I was, uh, that he, uh, he really took it literally about lust. And that's what he did. He goes out his eyes. Um, we, we talked about this. We, talk, we went to Bible study together. We talked and everything else. But, but somehow, he took that literally. And God's out his eyes. The Lord says, I'm not telling you to mutilate yourself. If your mind, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're, you're falling short of that. Does not, I don't stamp out your salvation. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have been judicially set forever as forgiven by God. But there are some things that says, this is serious. Don't take this lightly when it comes down to adultery. 
Lust stands in with conflict in the boy in con in the conflict with uh, asking God and trusting His provision. Forgive me for some of this dialogue here. Illustration: David. Lust comes on an ordinary day. Lust come when your focus is off the Lord and you're taking, the, uh, you're taking a sabbatical for yourself. And David, as he walked along the rooftop, he, he saw Uriah's wife. Now, there's a difference between seeing and looking and lusting. And so the first thing that Satan wants to do is, is called the hook. He wants to get your attention. Once he gets your attention, then he wants to hold your attention. Once he holds your attention, then the, the next thing is to say it's possible. That's why James says, let not a man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. See, the first thing says, the first thing that happens, that whole temptation which leads to death that we're talking about, the first thing is that you see, you desire. Then you go after it in this embryo stage. But when sin is grown, it will kill you. So, so what Jesus Christ says then as he begins to shoot these things out. First one, you're salt and light. Know who you are. Second one, when it comes down to adultery, don't do it. You're messing with generations. You're messing with the word of God. Don't do it. So we wrap things up this morning. We'll pick this up next week. One last thing. Effective kingdom living demands a serious and faithful adherence to the will of God. And it will not happen with an unsurrendered life. Question. You know what the question is? Am I there yet? Why not? And then the next statement will be, am I willing to hold my ground and keep going? I was this, I was in the, uh, wrap things up here. I was, I was thinking about, um, The Israelites. You know what the Israelites said after they heard the law? They said, we will do it. That was nothing but pride. And you found them dis disobeying God, breaking God's heart to the point where God says, you know what? I'm going to turn the enemies loose on you. I'm sick of this. But the Israelites, there were times when they heard the law, it says they were standing for hours listening to the law. Jesus Christ says, I come to you. You don't even have to stand for hours. I have, I have, have it in Bible form. All you have to do is take your Bible and read it. And when you read it, here's what the new sheriff in town says. You're blessed. You're the salt of the earth. But first, don't murder. Don't murder. And my desire this morning 
is that as we look at what Jesus Christ is saying, verse 5, really goes in verse 6, but I'm just covering uh, chapter 5. The whole idea is that we have a responsibility walking in our new normal to go by the new rules. You can't keep the Old Testament.